Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And I hope everybody is well and safe or at least getting there. And, um, you know, uh, just let us know how you're doing. If you, you know, there's things that you need to let us know what's going on. Uh, we've got G's Community Voice at, at uh, 1140. But, you know, today is First Friday, and uh, we are going to have Paul D. Shelton with Warwick Shore on. Uh, but first, uh, I think I told you all early in the week that I'm kind of modifying the show a little bit, trying to put some things together, and hopefully you'll enjoy them. Uh, and one of the things is, and, and I should have started this earlier when I first started the show, was to try to do more in a way of some spirituality on the show, you know, maybe a little prayer, maybe a little discussion of how we can uh, handle things in a, from a more spiritual perspective. So we have a variety of of uh, ministers that will be on during the course of the month to talk with us. We're going to try to do it daily. We would have had Pastor Hugh Harmon. You all are familiar with him. He would have been on Tuesday, but we had to um, do a, a, a rerun instead of going live. So he will be on with us at some point. Unfortunately, he, we're only giving him 10 minutes. He needs actually his own own hour, and we'll probably do that at some point. But today we have youth minister and youth director, Minister Neil Jones, that's on with us. Good morning. How are you? Almost good as you. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And um, let's start off with, well, I'm going to put it in your hands and, and let you kind of start it off. If you want to start it off with, off with prayer or if there's a particular scripture you want to address today or, or a particular issue and how we can deal with it in, on a more spiritual level, I'm going to let you take the reins, Minister Jones. All right. Right on. We'll start with a quick word of prayer. God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and fellowship under your grace and your power and your anointing. Bless us all at this time. Bless those who are here and making their way here. Let your spirit be revealed in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. I really just wanted to talk about being a youth director, and I've been a, I'm a nonprofit guy. Me and my wife, we're in the nonprofit sector. We have a, mm-hmm. our, you know, I work church and then uh, I have a uh, we have a community center that's actually inside West Oaks Mall uh, called The Click where we do mentoring mm-hmm. and stuff like that always working with kids and mainly working with parents and lately I've been trying to encourage the parents to realize and ask themselves a hard question like what are you really leaving for your next generation what are you leaving mm-hmm. for your next and everybody always say, you're talking about money or inheritance. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything tangible. I'm talking about how are you showing them, how are you teaching them how to have ethics, principles, morals, respect, even how to carry on manners in social and even private in, uh, situations. Because we're, everywhere you look right now, and I'm not against it, but everywhere you look right now, it's always something about financial literacy and get money, get money, get money. I'm mm-hmm. not saying get money. I understand mm-hmm. we need it. However, I think the main, or I know the main thing that God wants us to have in our heart more than being successful on this side of heaven is to know that we are saved in salvation, and we miss that. And sometimes we promote being successful over being saved and not understand the benefits of what it is to be saved. And sometimes we don't capture or value that being saved, you have a lot of access to a lot of stuff when you're truly saved. Now, I'm not against success in any other way, but success is not the only goal as a believer. I want you to be saved. I want you to be healed. And I want you to know uh, you have the power to be healed and the confidence to be able to tell someone else about Jesus. 
Honest, now, now, I got a business. My, my wife has businesses. We have businesses. Uh, Brother Paul has a business. I'm not against being successful, but I don't want people to think success is something that um, God overlooks or God wants more than you to be saved and know who he is for, him, for, for yourself. That makes sense what I'm saying? Exactly, because, you know, I, I think what we have to do is get out of letting other people define what success is supposed to be for us. It's not Absolutely. a blanket, it's not a blanket policy in terms of success means this, that, and the other. In fact, it's what do you want to be successful in? Do you want to be successful mm-hmm. financially? Do you want to be successful spiritually? Do you want to be successful Physically, you know, it's, there's a lot of things. Or do you, you know, want to be successful in terms of being well-rounded? You know, you have to kind of pick that definition apart and put it back together for yourself. You can't let other people define that for you. Because you may be financially successful, but you could be miserable and you could be <laughs> on on the way to to the gates below, you know. <laughs> Instead of the early what, uh, and and we are now my wife and I we help people uh, learn uh, financial literacy and I'm telling you a lot of people that we help they already have mm-hmm. money I mean they make money hundreds is not hundreds of thousands not millions of dollars but they're not happy and so they mm-hmm. come to us and after a while we realize you didn't come to us for no money help you came for us to realize uh, and ask us how are we always happy or how are we always able to work with each other and, and build a team. Because you'd be amazed, you might not be amazed at how many people that we work with and that we see have great businesses, great minds, but have terrible ethics and morals and can't, and can't keep anybody around them. Mm-hmm. So being able mm-hmm. to define your own success is, is, is actually part of being successful because everybody's not going to be a millionaire, you know? Right. And I say, right. I say that a lot all the time because in the Bible, we all know about Paul who wrote 70% of the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. But we never talk about we never talk about the man who trained him and mentored him, a man named Ananias. We know nothing mm-hmm. about him. We mm-hmm. just know that he mentored this man for three years, and then Paul went on to actually change the world as we know it. But being able to understand what you're supposed to do and being good at what you're supposed to do, that is success. And whatever that is for each person, what they need to aim for. So as we lead it to the next generation, instead of just telling them to get money and get businesses, tell them to be good people and find out what God has them for. So now, how tough is it for you as a youth minister to get this across to the the young people that you work with? Because, you know, they have other people, they have their peers and other people kind of trying to define what what path they're supposed to be on in terms of being a successful adult. Um, How how tough is that? How challenging is that? I'm not going to hold you. It's extremely challenging at times. (laughs) I'm not going to even beat around the bush. (laughs) I have to do a lot of praying. I got to find mm-hmm. ways to be relevant because they are distracted by so many things. Like I was talking to uh, to, uh, to my young people this last month about, um, yo, our city, I asked them, are city girls successful? Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, would y'all call that success? And, and they would say, yeah, they're getting money. I said, but would you want your sister doing that? No. Why not? If that is success, <laughs> why, do you, why don't you want them to do that? And then that's when all the intangibles come in, like, well, I don't want them to be treated like this, and I don't think it's that. Well, that's what I'm battling with. They see where mm. they be getting money, and I'm trying to tell them it's not just about getting money. Though I need mm-hmm. you to make money, I also need you to find a way what's going to make you happy. And if you go going fishing and catching fish and selling them, is that, if that makes you happy, do it. I don't care what anybody else says. Cut grass, do it. And the main thing, like I think you said it very well, is being able to define your own success and not being uh, distracted. But these kids, they see so much stuff through their phones, and they see, you know, these parents, a lot of these girls, a lot of these kids to have so much and to think they can be so much. It's like, yo, some of y'all are not made for it, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I play, I play ball at a high level. I play football at a high level, and I tell mm-hmm. parents all the time, I coach your kid. Well, you play, well, I play. I'm from the east side of Cleveland. I had a different <laughs> a different upcoming. Right, right. So, Minister Jones, uh, we we're gonna have to go soon. But what I wanted to ask, wanted everybody to know, where are you? Where do, where is your youth ministry? At Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church in Neatonville, Florida. We are the only church on that side of the street where love truly makes a difference. 
Amen. How did you all fare with the the storm? Everybody okay? Everybody is good. We had a couple of members who had some uh, roof issues, but everybody walked away, and that's what I'm happy about. Minister Neil Jones, thank you so much for being with us, and we look forward to having you back on the first Friday of next month, God willing. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me, and God bless. Thank you. God bless. Take care. That was Minister Neil Jones, who is actually uh, referred to us by our next guest coming up, Paul Z. Shelton with Warwick Shore. So just stay with us. The number, if you want to talk about, I guess, how you fared with the hurricane and everything, is 516-387-1944. Or you want to talk about something else going on in your community. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I'm your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we want to thank again Pastor uh, Minister Neil Jones of Macedonia in Eatonville for joining us today. And we welcome back for the first Friday of the month, Paul Z. Shelton with Warwick Shore. Good morning. How are you? Mr. Shelton. Good morning. I am doing hey. well. How are you doing today? <laughs> All right. I know you're running and gunning, but thank you for taking the time yeah. out. So oh, got a lot of get- I love being here because not only do I get to talk about economics, but I get my spirit fed as well. So I greatly Amen. appreciate that. Amen. And thank you for recommending uh, Minister Jones, and we look forward to having him on again on the first Friday along with you. So we're going to talk a little bit before we get to the financial stuff about the, your experience and the things that you know about with, rec, with reference to Hurricane Ian. How you doing? What do you what what's going on around you? So yeah, so Hurricane Ian was uh, it, it was a hurricane as it was coming. I, I kind of you know been I should say a transplant to Florida, but kind of a Floridian. Been here so long. I, I've been through many hurricanes, and I'm very familiar with you know how to prepare and do different things. So as I was preparing to get ready for this one, I kind of felt you know a little bit different about this, and I felt that there could be more to it than what we were planning for, but maybe not as bad. But uh, one thing that I was not prepared for was the amount of flooding, you know, that took place in in my neighborhood personally. Um, I was very fortunate that, you know, the waters did not breach past the garage level, um, but, you know, not the same for, for many of my neighbors who are displaced and may not be back in their homes until the first of the year with the amount of, you know, flooding and water damage that they have. So it's, uh, it was, you know, not, not pretty with the amount of rain and, and water that we received over here, which um, unfortunately this is not the most that we've ever received. We've had other tropical storms where we received a lot more water and um, did not have the flooding. So that raises some, some other questions, you know, for us in this neighborhood and in this area. But other than that, you know, everyone here locally um, is fine. We did have a a death in my extended family um, down in Fort Myers, but we're we're grieving about that. But outside of that, we're fortunate to to still count our blessings. 
Yeah, and you were telling me about that down in Fort Myers, and, and I won't ask you to recount that because it was horrible, um, but um, we're glad that you're okay and you're safe. We will keep you in prayer with you and your family and, um, you know, just uh, if, you know, if there's something specific that you know of that's a need that we can help out with, you know, don't hesitate to let us know. So thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Sure. So um, let's talk about it. It's the first Friday of the month, and that means it is. jobs, jobs, yeah. and more jobs. So I have a question before before we get yeah. to the, the stats, okay? So it was a story that came out about Amazon is getting ready to hire 150,000 people, I guess, for the holidays, um, some seasonal, some part-time, and there may be some permanent. So, and they had a link that you can go to their site. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what's what, you know, because I want to see if I can – you know, get something a little bit better than what I'm doing with my uh, one of my gigs anyway. And so I clicked the link and it said, you know, well, where are you located, location, type in your zip code, whatever, da-da-da. Put in my zip code, there were two jobs. And oh, there, wow. were, <laughs> there were two jobs um, and not fit for this 60-plus-year-old um, person. I was not going to be trying to do any um, warehouse type of work, and, but that was it. And so I was a little annoyed because I'm like, you know, you get people kind of saying, oh, hey, you know, good, this might be something, an opportunity for me. And I'm sure it's an opportunity for somebody, let's be clear. There's some, somebody's going to get those two jobs. But, you know, you put out there, you've got 150,000 jobs, and you know that there is an Amazon location here in Central Florida and you kind of expect maybe there was going to be a little bit more to be offered. Why was – well, tell me about that. Is, is there really going to be that many jobs? Are there going to be more coming down the road? Have you heard anything? Yeah, so this is actually the second year in a row that they've, they've beefed up their staff in this respect during the holiday season, um, which is typical for many companies to, to beef up during the holiday season. You typically, historically, I should say, we had not seen it by one company. Um, you usually see this type of hiring that's taking place back in the old-fashioned days when we had brick and mortar where people used to go to stores and actually, you know, took pride in going to a Toys R Us and, you know, those ancient days back then. Typically, those Toys R Us, Kmart, Walmart, even going back to service merchandise, Montgomery Ward, all these old names, you know, they would stack up their employees, and it would not total, you know, just 150000 but it would be well over 150000 in additional staffing that would take place during the holiday season. Well, we know that many of those names that I mentioned are obsolete as of today as a result of, you know, the retail apocalypse and everyone's shifting towards a more e-commerce lifestyle. So the number sounds massive that one company is hiring, you know, so many employees. But when we dissect it and look at it from a a macro um, level, we understand that this is really small compared to what typically happens across the entire footprint of the employment landscape. Now, there are, you know, the 150,000 jobs out there, but um, they did advise in their press release that majority of the jobs are, you know, across the country, but they're centralized to, to specific locations, specific states. And unfortunately, out of the, I believe, eight or nine states that were listed, um, you know, from from California all the way across, you know, to, to Michigan and Illinois, out of all those states mentioned, um, Florida was not one of them that had a large amount of um, hiring listed. So it's unfortunate that, you know, we only get a trickle through of those jobs. But, you know, many of those jobs, if, you know, if you're able to get them, or if you're in a region where they're available, you know, they're coming with some of them with a, a sign-on bonus um, in many locations from $1,000 to $3,000. So it, it is advantageous for for those that can find them. And just because they're focusing on states that are not primarily in Florida doesn't mean that we won't see more of a high, more hiring going on as we get closer to the holidays. So there may be some shifts, some shifting and things that change, 
as we get closer, you know, to November and rounding out the holiday season where some more jobs hopefully will come available in our local area. Okay. All right. So now let's get to the, I guess, the the nitty-gritty in terms of how is the job market now, how many jobs did we add or lose? Talk about that. Yeah, so, you know, that's a, a great transition, I guess, I guess a great segue going from, um, you know, talking about the, you know, Amazon and that retail and that tech sector, um, which is not the primary sector uh, in our Central Florida region. So it right. kind of plays into the data uh, as to what where jobs are really being hired are being added. And when you look at the data that was released uh, today regarding the jobs report, um, in similar fashion as we've seen for the last several months, um, leisure and hospitality and healthcare, you know, were the two sectors that led the way in job growth. So leisure and hospitality being one sector together, and then healthcare being a second sector. There was a total of uh, 263,000 non-farm payroll jobs added in the month of September, and it takes our employment rate back down to 3.5%. Um, which is where it was in July. We did see it tick up a little bit higher in June, or in August, I should say, and that was as a result of um, the participation, labor force participation rate increasing, meaning more people were coming into the market. So we had a change in that denominator on that equation that caused, you know, the numbers to shift a, a little bit. So we are at a healthy point. Um, of employment in our economy, does the fear that the many economists have that since we are still trudging along in such a healthy you know place um, in a more healthy place than the Federal Reserve wants us to be, what is that going to do for interest rates so um, a lot of the fear and capitulation that you 've seen in the market take place today has been a result of you know a really good jobs number. And, you know, fortunately, I guess I should say fortunately unfortunate, um, we did not have any downward revisions from last month's number, which was high, over 300,000 jobs added. So we're at a point where we're adding a ton of jobs to our economy, which is only really going to drive inflation. That's just going to produce more M2 money that's going to float around in the money supply um, as people are spending more, you know, buying more, which is essentially good for the economy that there is, you know, a natural circulation of spending. But unfortunately, um, with that spending comes, you know, higher costs, higher prices, inflation. So that's something that the Federal Reserve is trying to combat. um, And the fear is they may have to do even more when it comes to raising interest rates, especially if uh, the employment situation continues to grow at the pace that it is. Okay, but now let me ask this. Isn't this kind of expected around this time of year anyway? I mean, are are, are there really going to be efforts to kind of curtail spending this time of year? Come on, we've got Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, and then there's before that Halloween for those who celebrate Halloween. Um, People are are spending money buying candy and costumes and uh, masquerade, uh, you know, having masquerade balls and and other types of things for that. And then Thanksgiving, the travel and and, and whatnot, and then Christmas, Mm -hmm. the decor and the gifts. So, I mean, isn't it natural to expect an increase in spending around this time of year? It is natural to to expect that increase in spending, yeah, and and it's very cyclical in nature, and that's something that we see in the data every year, and that's one of the reasons why the Federal Reserve is really trying to get ahead of this because that excess spending that typically takes place, you know, during this time of year could be that added froth on top of the market that can really, you know, drive inflation a little bit higher. Now, the Federal, you know, the Federal Reserve, when they implement their – um, open market procedures such as raising interest rates and all, you know, reducing quantitative ease and reducing the monetary flow in the economy. Those things take, you know, several months, if, if not sometimes several quarters, for them to fully trickle down and and be felt by consumers and really implemented to the market. 
So the the things that they're doing now, the the interest rates that you know they're raising now, they the market essentially you know in in tandem from a time standpoint in certain sectors such as maybe real estate, mortgage rates, and things of that nature are profitability for banks as you know loan or interest income you know begins to increase, but we really don't see that lag or we really don't see that the economy slow down from that for several months um, and, and multiple quarters into the future. So it is a balancing act. Um, and, and the biggest question that's out there is, is the Fed doing too much right now to try to slow down the economy? Is the economy, you know, just, you know, have they already overshot themselves and, and going to, you know, overshoot to the downside and, and cause a stark reversal when everything comes to a halt and start moving the other direction? Um, that is a big fear that we have out there. So, you know, we the open market, you know, operations that they've completed earlier this year with raising interest rates, you know, are, are really starting to be felt now. And we're at a point now where we have some natural and organic spending that's going to take place during the, the holiday season. And um, how do we how do we play that? The, the Federal Reserve has told us that they're going to raise interest rates by another uh, essentially one and a half percent. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's going to take, you know, everything much higher, you know, mortgage rates much higher. and But, you know, they're going to do that before the end of this year, but we're not going to feel that until um, deep until 2023. So well, we, we may well, be at what, what I was thinking is that, no, you know, given the time of year and the occasions and whatnot, um, even if the rates go up, I think you're going to still have people that are going to spend regardless just by virtue of, you know, the season. So why, you know, I mean, people are, you know, doing the Black Friday and Cyber Monday research already. Um, And so what I want to find out is so, and then also too, after the season, there's going to be a drop off probably. Correct. What is, what, I'm just trying to figure out what is is it ex, what's expected to be accomplished with the rising of the rates if people are not going to modify behavior. Yeah, it, exactly. So you you bring up a, a lot of points in, in the tenets of everything that you're mentioning there. Um, so people are naturally going to spend on the surface in this holiday season, which you know we establish as, as traditional and seasonal. Um, at the same time, as we're raising interest rates and when that spending does stop, and oftentimes many of us, we do overspend during the holiday season. Um, you know, we, we don't budget as properly as we should. And a lot of times mm-hmm. when that happens, um, you know, that, that hangover hits us in January, February, March. So the, the fear is, is if the Federal Reserve is doing too much right now, um, that's going to implement itself in those months when we're realizing that hangover, then will that hurt us more than help the economy as a whole? Um, so there, there is a, there, there is, there's a fear of that. And I, I know many economists are looking at that and, and uh, many investors are looking at it right now, as you see at this present moment, you know, the, the stock market is down about 3% across the board, you know, again today, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the technology sector. So, you know, there's, you know, that's a forecast of, of what we feel may happen, you know, from, from the standpoint of interest rates rising and from the standpoint of um, how spending will play out in, in inflation. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, you're going to have people, they're gonna, you're going to have some people, they're going to spend anyway, and then they're going to, um, you know, tighten the belt in, at the beginning of the year, you know, trying to, uh, pay off the, all of the, the credit cards that they overused or, or pay down or whatever and stuff like mm-hmm. that. In the, but in the meantime, everything else is still up. Housing prices are still up. Gas is headed back up. You know, food prices are up, you know, so, and but but wages are not. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, wages, uh, they, they typically move much lower. And they typically never go down, but unfortunately, they never keep up with the pace of inflation. So that's exactly. something that is a uh, a stark caveat. And you you make very good points there. You know, people are going to tighten the belts, 
you know, naturally in the first quarter of the year. And at that same time, you know, we may see uh, market forces, you know, force people to tighten their belts too. So, um, it, it, you know, there is, I saw a projection, pro, projection today for crude oil being back at $100 a barrel, um, mm. you know, by January 1st, which is in reach. We're not far from that standpoint now. So, Mm-mm. you know, that doesn't doesn't shoot us, you know, out of the water, but it does take us back to right around $4 for unleaded. So that could be a significant change. And, you know, you look at energy and food costs, those are always um, de facto taxes on any citizen of, a, of an economy because those are things that you just cannot get around. And I was getting excited because the gas had gone down to under um, – three dollars where i usually buy gas and i was very happy about that and so just, i was uh, too i was looking hoping forward that was, to I, yeah i was hoping that was going to last a little longer you know me too me too i i, I saw it go down um <laughs> at sam's it was at yep. 294 and i had a full uh-huh. tank and i was like oh i wish i could just squeeze some in because it's so cheap or can i just i know store it in my garage looked- somehow I thought, yeah, I thought I had, um, you know, my. I thought, okay, I, I really need to go pick up my new glasses because my eyes are just not, you know, working right. <laughs> and then I saw that price. I'm like, let's go get some gas. It's <laughs> so, amazing. It's amazing. And when you think about inflation and, and give this as a real world example, when you think about inflation and how it takes over the economy, um, mm-hmm. I was, I came home yesterday. My my wife was watching, uh, she was watching a movie. Wait, that's what she was watching. And in the movie, um, the character was talking about how she gave, you know, her uh, significant other $20 for gas, and it only came up to $7.81, and she didn't get the change back. Now, this is for filling up a full car. Mm-hmm. If you use $7 right now, you will be lucky mm-hmm. to get a, a gallon and a half of gas yeah. as opposed to filling up a whole tank. So, you know, that's just show you where, where we've come in inflation over the last 25 years and change. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to add our mortgage guru Jabir Najir to the mix to, to the mix. We're here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore. We're talking the economy. The number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. If you have a question, G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us today. Happy Friday, y'all. Here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore and Jabir Najir of Rajon Mortgage. Good Good afternoon, Jabir. How are you? I am doing good. Doing good, Arthur Self. I'm doing well. Doing well. So, you know, it's that time. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the housing market. Paul, I'm going to let you kind of start off with, with, with um, the information that you have, and then I'm going to ask Jabir some questions. Okay. Okay. Any particular? <laughs> yeah. So, so um, what I, I guess what I want to find out, too, with this, with this rising of the the interest rate by the Fed, usually my understanding is that usually doesn't seem to have uh, as much of an impact as most people think on the mortgage rates. However, uh, our mortgage rates are up, our housing prices are up, and everything else is up. How, How does that help the consumer in terms of, you know, trying to to make a purchase if necessary, especially 
a lot of the people now that are suffering the impact of Hurricane Ian, it may have to look for a new home. Yeah, yeah. So this is very, uh, very inopportune time. Anytime you have a natural disaster, it's not a good thing. But um, you know, we're we are already in the seventh inning, I would say, of a housing crisis. You know, that was escalating in in the Central Florida region. And and now, you know, you have many people that are going to be looking for temporary housing or for new housing at the time where they are unable to buy. They're being priced out of it because of, you know, rising rates, interest rates, and um, mortgage rates that are rising. And it, it does directly, you know, affect, you know, mortgage prices. And it affects rates all over from, you know, car loans, mortgage prices, uh, recreational loans, personal loans. Their rates are rising. They are increasing. And I, I see that, you know, from the standpoint on the investment side, and I see that from the standpoint of the credit union. Um, as I'm setting, you know, rates for the credit union, I see those increases that are that are taking place there, and it's going to make it harder, much harder, for for many individuals to to relocate and to seek out the shelter, you know, that they were had before, or find something new. And and you know, for example. Directly across the street from me, my uh, my neighbors, I, this past Saturday, I was helping them, you know, rip out carpet, you know, from their house and had about three inches of water all around their house and just helping mm. them, you know, re- restart the process of recovering. And, you know, the, the wife said to me, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. And, um, you know, she's just so hurt from the, you know, the pain and losing so much just through the storm. But at the same time, this is not the right time to 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 make that decision to to strike a new mortgage. Uh, for many individuals, this is not the right time as as rates are are rising. So, yeah, it's a it's a pressing issue. Yeah, Debir, I wanted to ask you about something because as as I was thinking about this, you know, I was thinking about how uh, blessed um, my husband and I are in terms of, you know, this definitely. Um, seem to have come out with comparison to a lot of other people unscathed. You know, we had a couple of glitches. We didn't, you know, do the four days of power outages like we did with um, uh, Hurricane Irma. But I'm thinking about the people down in South uh, southwest Florida, and I'm thinking now – because I, I, want to, I want to clarify stuff for everybody that's listening. When you have homeowner's insurance – and you lose your home, the homeowner's insurance covers the home, but it does not cover the mortgage, and that is what mortgage insurance is for. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. So typically, yes, you're, you're right. Uh, it doesn't cover the mortgage. Um, mm-hmm. but mortgage insurance is more so for the lender and not the, and not the, uh, the homeowner. So the case, right. in the case that – you are ever to go through the process of foreclosure, um, okay. then that mortgage insurance, put simply, uh, would cover the loss between what the lender is able to sell the property for and what was owed on the property or any other fee that may be included in, in, in simple terms. However, um, in very rare cases, that mortgage insurance company, especially if they're paying out a lot of um, – uh, maybe even a disaster, but definitely when it comes to the foreclosures, they may try to work something out with the mortgage company because they're not trying to, you know, cut checks left and right. So I'm not saying you just right. call up your mortgage insurance company and say, hey, I have a hardship, you know, work something out with my mortgage company. But there are rare cases where you will hear that the mortgage insurance company will say, hey, lender, let's work out a deal to get everybody in a better position. Um, but one thing I will yeah, I was say, gonna, I was going to ask you about that. Are do are they a little bit more lenient? Is there some compassion there when you have a situation like um, Pine Island, for example, or you know uh, other places, Sanibel, um, other places down in Southwest Florida, or even here, like Central Florida, um, we have an area, Orla Vista, that again got flooded with feet of water. Uh, and people are, are out of homes now, and, and, and there, in some cases there was an apartment complex where they were told, 
um, that they had, I guess, until the end of the month to get whatever they needed to get, and they could not come back. They were basically evicted. Right, yeah. So there, there is compassion, but what I would say is that probably the first place that you should call before you start reaching out to your mortgage insurance company would actually be the mortgage company because many times they will – well, not many times. They always know if there's a natural disaster or any type of disaster or even during a pandemic that there's a pandemic going on. So the last thing that they want is a bunch of people not making their mortgage payments and they start the legal process. So normally if you get ahead of it and call them and let them know that, hey, listen, I lost my house due to the hurricane. Um, I have to find somewhere else to live uh, temporarily. And whether you still are employed or even in case that you may lose employment, normally they'll work something out temporarily, um, you know, whether it's for three months or six months. But if you keep pushing them, they will work something out uh, with you. Uh, because, as I mentioned, the last thing they want is a bunch of people saying, hey, we can't make their mortgage payments, and they have hundreds if not thousands of people um, not making their mortgage payments. That doesn't look very good on their on their books. So they normally will try to work something out. The challenge I see with a lot of people who have these deferred mortgages um, or some type of forbearance program is you have to keep in mind that that's not free money, so you have to make that money up somewhere on the back end. Sometimes they're going to ask for that money up front. Once you start to resume payments, they, they may say, hey, over the last X amount of months, you, the bill, the amount that you didn't pay, I'm just throwing out a number, is $8,000. Can you cut a check to us for that amount? If not, that's where you have to start working on a modification. We've got a few minutes left for you, Paul. I'm going to go back to you real quick. Um, other than difficulties with the housing market, what other things are, are going on right now with the economy, and what should we keep our, our eye on um, for the next month or so? Well, you, you know, just from an investment standpoint, um, we're going to see more more volatility ahead. You know, there's there's more headwinds that's going to hit hit the investment landscape, and you're going to see that in your retirement accounts, in your 401Ks, 403B. So you're, we're going to see that take place as the Federal Reserve, you know, you know fully moves through their mandate of, of raising interest rates to get us to a neutral level. So that's, that's something that, you know, we should be aware of um, and plan for, you know, as that, that, those risks, you know, come about. Um, you know, consider, you know, rebalancing your portfolio, taking this as a time to rebalance. And and um, also at this time of the of the year, we also look at um, charitable gifting. So this is a good mm-hmm. time, and charitable gifting is a is a good way to um, to you know satisfy that philanthropic um, side that you may have, as as well as you know rebalance your portfolio and help out some people that are in need. I know there are a lot of um, Hurricane Ian, um, you know initiatives that are that are out there right now that many people could could use those kind of gifts from and then from that standpoint as well which are your portfolio look to rebalance and have more value assets in there as opposed to growth assets and and one thing that i always tell people too you know um see you know what advantages how how can you you know when interest rates are rising when gas prices are rising you know, those costs are going up, but is there a way that you can try to mitigate those costs or hedge those costs for you? And there is, and, and you don't have to be, you know, a wealthy investor, millions of dollars to be able to do so, but as gas prices are going up, you can invest in ETFs and stocks that are reliant on that and be able to hedge that increase by making a gain from that. Same with interest rates. Interest rates are high right now. I should say higher right now. And um, you can invest in a, a one-year U.S. Treasury or I-bond. I-bonds are paying 9.6% right now annually, and that's only going to get higher. So there's ways oh. that as, as investors we can kind of mitigate, you know, those risks of, of those rising costs out there. Okay. Paul, how do we reach you? I can be reached on all social media at Warwick Shore Advisors, and you can contact us at 407-493-6288. 
Paul, I, thank you for your time. I know you're on the run. I really appreciate you taking the time out, and uh, we'll talk again soon, uh, next month, hopefully. But I might need to call you back onto the show if you have some time before then. So Definitely. we'll talk soon. Okay, <laughs> Take have care. a great day. God bless. You too. Going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Jabir Najir and Rai John Mortgage. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the yard with you. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you chillin'? Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we thank Paul V. Shelton with Warwick Shore Advisors for joining us today. And we welcome back Jabir Najira Rajan Mortgage. We usually have him on on Monday, but, uh, you know, this Monday, uh, I think uh, Princess and I, we just kind of needed a minute. And I'm sure you probably did too, Jabir, in terms of. uh, having having a little time to deal with the aftermath of the hurricane, if not you personally, with family and friends. But um, let's talk a little bit about the rates, uh, where they are now, and, and where they anticipate um, heading. Sure, sure. But if you wouldn't mind real quick, I did want to mention sure. something um, when we were talking about the loss of use for the uh, home during the due to national disaster. So something yeah. I, I thought about uh, after when we were on break there, that on most uh, insurance policies, there actually is a coverage called uh, loss of use coverage. Um, hopefully you have it on there. Not everybody has to take that election to have the loss of use. But most uh, insurance companies or agents at least will, will probably highly suggest it. So that actually does cover the loss of use of your home if you need any type of temporary housing, such as hotel, um, hotel, motel, uh, I think it even may help with covering some additional food expenses. Don't quote me on the food expenses, but I know at the bare minimum, if you have to find temporary housing due to a fire or anything like that, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen, I'm pretty sure there's loss of coverage above that, but I mean, I've seen loss of coverage that covers 40000 50000 So that would actually cover, you know, $50,000 worth of expenses to put you to temporary housing in a sense. Um, while your home is being repaired to move back in. So I did want to kind of put that out there, kind of thought about it afterwards, like, oh, yeah, there, that is, there is a coverage on the insurance that will cover it. So the insurance will not actually cover your mortgage payments, but it will mm-hmm. cover the expense to put you somewhere else to put a roof over your head for a temporary period of time. Okay. All right. Yeah, so if you're out there and you don't know if you have it, check your deck pages to see if it's on there. It is something that many insurance companies will offer. Okay. So, but okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to say, but go, going back to the rates, because I know that's what everybody wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but we need the other information as well, especially now. You know, things we've, we've taken for granted now, you know, it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> I need to go back and revisit those things. So, but yeah, right now it was everything you kind of, you know, seems like you're just kind of coming up and gasping for air and then just trying to stay afloat with everything being so pricey right now. Uh, so just kind of wanted to get a sense of where the rates are and um, how we navigate around them or with them. Right. So, you know, rates are higher than they were the last time we spoke. Um, they're creeping back up. We, we touched 7% or very close to 7%. We dipped back down, as I'm speaking national average, we dipped back down to the mid-sixes. 
uh, last week and the beginning of this week, and now it's creeping back up toward that 7% range. So I'm pretty sure if we don't, you know, kind of hit a ceiling in at 7%, over the next couple of days, there's a good chance we may go past that 7%. But on a conventional loan, you're definitely looking at the 7% region. On FHA loans, you're looking in the mid um, in the in the mid sixes right now. And where were we about last year? This time, weren't we like headed down to around two percent? Or oh wow, last something? year this time, I can I'd have to I can I know without looking at the we, charts, I could safely say FHA had to be around two point on a thirty year. Mm-hmm. 2.5 to 2.75 on the high end. Uh, conventional, 3 to maybe 3.25, maybe 3.375 on the high end. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if you – I know so, – I'm, I'm, we didn't get down that low, but we got down, and I'm kind of glad we went on ahead and refinanced. And I know there are a lot of people that probably are, are grateful for, for having done that. With a rate – of, of six, do you advise, and the, with all of the other costs, up, you know, insurance costs are up and probably will not be going down, and, you know, you're going to have to struggle to find a reputable insurance company that's going to stick around and cover folks in Florida. Y'all, this, you know, this this was un- greatly unfortunate. Uh, this part of the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, we were already having problems with insurance. How how are you faring in terms of are, are you getting um, any type of different type of influx or not in your office? I mean, how is it compared to maybe last year this time? Well, definitely last year this time was a lot easier, and the reason I say is because we're able to get people into homes, even though the prices were increasing, uh, we're able to uh-huh. get people into homes at very low interest rates. So the payment shock that you know what they were expecting to get for a certain home was pretty much right on right in line with what before they even apply for a mortgage, pretty much right in line with what they were expecting. Or maybe if they didn't have a uh, a very uh, accurate idea of what the payment should be, it wasn't that much above what they thought their payment should be. Now, a year later, sometimes the payments, when they're coming to us and say, hey, I'm looking for this, this type of house around this payment range, and normally I'll ask them what is, you know, what their monthly budget is. And even though we're going to let them know how much they qualify for, I like to have an idea of what they expect as far as purchase price and payment. And when we run the numbers, it's not uncommon for somebody to be maybe even $800 off of what their, what they thought the expected payment would be. Where before somebody's off by 100, 200, maybe $300. Now we're talking about $800,000 off. So, they either have to reduce their purchase price or they have to be willing to pay more per month for that for that home. And then also, too, you, you, you can get, I guess, an adjustable rate mortgage and have it uh, adjusted down at a later time, right? And that, that's going to have an impact because, and in fact, can you give us an example of, I guess, the correlation between percentage points and dollar amounts? Sure. So when it comes to just in general speaking in regards to the um, the adjustable rate mortgages, adjustable rate mortgages are definitely that you have to understand them because a lot of times people think when adjustable rate mortgages that your payment will go up every single month. It's, adjustable rate mortgages are normally fixed for a certain period of time. It could be mm-hmm. anywhere between five to seven years. Um, it's not very common to see a two or three year anymore. Um, so normally it's going to be five to seven years and even up to 10 years. Um, so if you're in that mortgage, it's just very important. Normally the mortgage company lets you know ahead of time that mm-hmm. your mortgage is about to adjust. I definitely have had clients who have come to me that their mortgage is going to adjust. I'm like, great, when is it adjusted? Like, yeah, in two weeks. I'm like, yeah, there's no way we could get it done, you know, that quickly. Uh, we could definitely, you know, we typically get a loan done in three, you know, three, three weeks, especially a refinance. But, for two weeks, that's, that's very, very, very tough. So um, mm-hmm. it's just important for you to understand when your rate adjusts and if you're comfortable with what that that adjust rate mortgage interest rate is at this particular time, moment in time. Um, now, when it comes to, I think you're asking in regards to the difference in payments. So yeah, we, they're, they're, right. So there are different adjust rate mortgage programs. 
there's the program that is um, fixed at a lower rate for five years, and then it will adjust after the five years every uh, every six months or every quarter, or sometimes every year, depending on what the initial setup is. Um, but they also have what is called a 2-1 buy-down. So this is something that has become a little bit more popular now, where the rate would actually be 2% lower than the current market rate. So let's just call it that we're at about 7% today in, in conventional. We get to a 5% now, which you had the 5% for one year. Next year it goes to 6%, and the year after that it will go to a 7%. But you have to negotiate between either you come out of pocket or with the seller to pay the, the cost to actually buy down that rate. But to put everything in numbers, let's just say that we have, um, let's just use 350000 um, on a 30-year. Mm-hmm. The, the payment without, um, without tax insurance, give me one second, let me, uh, I'm not sure what's going on here, Maya. Well, so, you know, I've heard different people say, well, you know, um, uh, a, let's see, a difference in, in rates in terms of a point equals X amount of hundreds of dollars on, on your mortgage or something like that. So um, how how is that calculated? So the best way, I would say, if anybody's trying to run run the numbers, let's say, on their own, just to see where where numbers will be, it's, mm-hmm. it's better if you actually just look at it. Um, I hate to tell people just use a, a random percent. It's better if they just actually just put it into a mortgage calculator just right. to actually see the difference in the in the payment. So let's just say, for example, you're looking at a $400,000 uh, loan at 5% for 30 years. The payment without taxes and insurance would be $2,147. That same loan at 7% will be $2,661. So in this particular mm-hmm. case, um, we're looking at, did I say 21 or 26? I forgot that, that quickly. 21. Yeah, so we're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, call it $500 more. So uh, for that, was 2%. So in this particular case, it's $250, let's call it, for each percent increase. But it's hard for me to say it's a certain dollar amount per percent because mm-hmm. it's not the same if you have a million-dollar loan going from five to seven. And it's not the same as if you have a $100,000 loan going from five to seven. It's, it won't be the mm-hmm. same 250 increase. So that's why I hate to say to use a certain right. dollar amount per interest rate. I understand. All right, so just really quick because I only got uh, less than a couple of minutes. Uh, just want to go back to if you, whether you were in South Florida, Central Florida, wherever you are, and you had some sort of damage that is going to uh, not allow you to move back into your home um, permanently, uh, how do you, who do you, you call your mortgage company and say what? Yeah, so the first thing you would do is call the mortgage company, let them know that, you know, you just had um, a hurricane that caused damage to your home, so you're no longer able to live in the home. Mm-hmm. and you have to find um, some other type of housing. And due to that, you will not be able to make the mortgage payment. There's no way that you could afford to pay for mortgage, for two houses at the same time. So your clients mm-hmm. actually have um, the mortgage put in a forbearance or um, deferred payment. Deferred payment, forbearance, um, if you use any of those terms, they'll know exactly what you're looking to do. Um, okay. Then they'll normally let you know, hopefully on the same phone call, but sometimes it may take a couple of days to get everything worked out. But during these times, I'm assuming they'll be able to get it done on, the, on, on one phone call where they're able to put you into a, a forbearance program. It'll most likely be for 90 days or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, every Morris company is going to be different. I'm not exactly sure every single Morris company is, is working um, with this particular situation now. But mm-hmm. most likely it's probably going to be 30, uh, 90 days or less. It could be 30 days, but 90 days or less. But it's very mm-hmm. important to stay on top of it because that – Money is not free money. You owe that money. You have to work out how would that money be paid. In the meantime, okay. if you're still working, I would still reach out to the insurance company to see if they can actually mm-hmm. help with the relocation. I also might want to consider talking to your employer about um, getting an advance too. Uh, that that you know. Uh, so that's that's something to think about as well. Uh, Jabir, thank you so much. How do we reach you? Yes, you can contact me uh, by cell phone, 321-239-5814, so you can shoot me a text 
or call me, or you could uh, email me at Jabir, J-A-B-I-R, at Riajan, that's R-I-A-J-A-N.com. Thank you. Have a blessed weekend. Be well and be safe. And thank, thank you, you all same. for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Talk Monday, God willing, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.